Welcome to the Music of America podcast, where every week we visit a different state in America and meet a different guest in the music industry. Every day, Monday through Friday, we begin in Alabama and we end in Wyoming. I'm your host, Tom Pollard. Let's talk music here on the Music of America. And the Music of America podcast continues. We're in Illinois, and we're in Charleston, Illinois, not too, too far from where I was born, a couple hours away, I guess. Seth Brown duo, Desiree and Seth, will be with us in a moment, and we're going to talk to them about music in Illinois. Founded in 1999, Jazz Generation is a jazz education performance initiative that creates playing opportunities for children and adults in New York three different programs. The programs are called the Jazz Standard Discovery Program, the Jazz Standard Youth Orchestra, and since 2014, a program called Keyed Up. It's an anti-poverty program offering services that support professional jazz artists in their performing careers while revitalizing local businesses. Now, all these programs are intended to develop new generations of public audiences, public performers, but the one I really like to talk about is Keyed Up. It's their most recent program started in 2014 by starting to Rescue pianos destined for the dumpsters. And they position these pianos, keyboards, into smaller local venues, like maybe a coffee shop. Then they asked the venue to chip in what they could to help cover the expense of the musician. Jazz Generation kicks in the difference. So the artists get paid while they're learning. It's really a cool concept. So if you like to help promote jazz, if this thing continues to grow like this, I'm sure Jazz Generation will expand throughout the country and help promote jazz in your area. But right now, the focus is New York City. If you want to help them out, please check them out at jazzgeneration.com. Seth Brown duo, Desiree and Seth. Which one is Seth and which one is Desiree? This is, <laughs> hey, this is audio only, see? So that's why. Hey, and I guess the other one is Desiree. Yeah, and what is it, I, I, I want to say your music is just country. It's country. But I got thinking like today, if, if I played this music 20 years ago, I'd call it Southern Rock. Please. You know, so how would you classify your music? How do you, but the phrase I like to use is, what is your musical identity? Yeah. We've gone back and forth a lot. As a songwriter, we've kind of jumped in. My, my influences are widely ranged, as most musicians are. But what we've kind of boiled it down to over the last five years is we call it country folk. Um, it's country music with a lot more, maybe more of a story than what you're hearing in typical country music today. Um, a lot of the stuff you hear today seems to revolve around one or two or three main subjects where with our music, what we try to write about is a vast array of life experiences from friendships to uh, marriage to internal processing. So it's we, we say it's country folk for everyone. We're just a couple of country folks singing yeah. folk. <laughs> singing stories. Americana is another phrase that gets tossed around a lot. And uh, I could see you following when like, classification as well uh desiree do you because the songs we have it's seth singing do you sing background do you play do you promote do you write do you do all those things what what is your role i do a little bit of everything um so i write i'm actually an author which is obviously different than music but i am an author as well kind of chronicling our journey into the unknown of starting our own music business and taking it out on the road oh, cool. uh, as well as promotion marketing booking you know, the, the inner workings of the business side of things that they don't tell you much about. <laughs> and right. I recently joined the actual duo. So I sing uh, background vocals, a couple of duets, and I play primarily percussion for our duo. That is not on the album that we're going to be hearing because that was his first album before I joined. He brought yeah. in some players that he knows well and loves dearly played on that album with him. So yeah. It's a really, really good one, too. So. But if we see you in a live show, you're the one that's going to pick up the egg, right? And the maracas, the tambourine, and you'll do the shakers, and right? Egg, I, I, I play cajon. Oh, you play cajon. Okay. Yep. I, I say the egg because there's a great story I've told maybe once or twice on this show with the uh, song Sweet Emotion by Aerosmith. Huh? When, when they were recording it, they had a bag full of handheld percussion. And... uh Steven Tyler reached in and he's like, I, I can't find, I want to get a shaker egg. Don't you have one? And he says, no, he says, all right, go, go get me a sugar packet. He said, now turn my microphone all the way up. And he's going, tss, 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 
with a sugar packet, and it's coming across just like a shaker egg. Isn't that brilliant? Music. You can really create music. If you uh, have yeah, it, when you have to. <laughs> Sweet emotion recorded with sugar. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so uh, I want to ask how you guys met, but I want to get, get into music history. So does how you met relate to your music history or does your music history relate to how you met or are they in different planes or what? They're in different planes, but they both, well... Like, Our origination begins in Nashville. Your music really? was a long yeah. time ago. I, I grew up in a big musical family, um, similar to yours in the sense of, you know, the house was full of instruments. I think at one time as a kid, I counted 17 different kinds of instruments. Oh, my house. goodness. <laughs> oh, my dad, my dad played accordion, guitar, piano, um, percussion. He played uh, drums in the military band. Um, wow. So he was... Yeah, so he's been a musician his whole life. My mother also a, bio, a violinist and piano player, and got a lot of classical training as a kid. And then, of course, being one of the youngest of a huge family, most of my older siblings also played music. So by the time I was probably four years old, I started banging on bongos and singing. Oh, wow. Family, we would go out and we would play at uh, retirement homes and retirement facilities and just perform for them for for the love of music and for the um, the opportunity to get out and play live. So I remember as a small child being, like I say, four years old there with all my older siblings, my dad playing guitar or accordion, singing to rest homes and um, kind of playing music publicly from my, some of my earliest memories of life. And that just never really stopped for me. I proceeded to continue. I started writing songs at about 10 years old and proceeded to learn guitar and piano and percussion and singing. And that led me into all kinds of different churches throughout my life, coming yeah. from a really small rural town in Eastern Oregon, where I grew up. The only places to play music were in these little small town churches. So I, by the time I was 14, I was playing at a different church every Sunday with my youth band. And that led me off to the bigger city of Central Oregon. When I was 16, I moved away from home and continued to pursue music ended up leading me all around the world. And I ended up in Nashville, Tennessee when I was 24, I believe. Man. That so day. you already had 10 years on your belt and you're only 24 years old. When you hit Nashville. That's so something. Played a lot of music, wrote a lot of songs. I got to Nashville, started doing studio work and surrounding myself with other great songwriters that I would say were much greater songwriters than I was at the time. Um, and that gave me a lot of opportunities, eventually leading me into a mentorship with great cc winans of cc and bb winans gospel music uh -huh. uh, played music at at their church in nashville and got a lot of great mentorship from amazing writers and musicians and when we got married in 2015 we ended up deciding to move back to the west coast so we left with really not music so much in mind but we we went back and we were both working corporate jobs at the time um and that kind of led us to a breaking point, really, where in the end of 2018, we were both working jobs we hated. We were 30 years old, 31 years old. We were up to our elbows in debt. We owned a big, beautiful custom home that was way more than, I mean, we, we could afford it. We had the money to pay for it, but we knew it was going to be the next 30 years of our life. Yeah. Paying off all this stuff. And um, we just sort of drew a line in the sand and said, this is not what we want to be or do with our lives. So we sold the house, we sold the truck and we gave away everything we owned and we jumped in a built out Astro van and we hit the road with really no clue. We thought we were going to be YouTubers. And uh, <laughs> six months into that, we decided we better just figure out what we actually really wanted to do with our lives. And that led me right back to music. And that first year on the road, I wrote about 30 original songs. Wow. And that is where that album uh, campfire currency originated those are the stories and songs that were written all across the nation that first year maybe 20 or 30 states we traveled mm -hmm. and during that time we would arrive to do and we were just traveling in a little van and so you know we eventually moved to a class c motorhome and we would roll into a campsite somewhere and we would spot other campers and we would rally people around our campfire and almost every night for a year we had little campfire concerts all around america with strangers we would meet and the end of that year came. We basically ran out of money. We would, we knew we were going to have to go back to our real lives and our real jobs eventually. And we were sitting in a dive bar 
in Southern Oregon on the Rogue River one night, watching a very, very drunk musician do a very poor job. And Desi looked at me and said, hey, if they'll pay him to do it, they might just pay you to do it. (laughs) (laughs) And that got our wheels turning. And so we both hit the pavement and we started calling up every little venue we could find. And come 2020, we booked out 150 shows. Oh, my gosh. Venues. And I'm looking at her going, I don't even have a sound system. I don't, I don't even have a set list. I don't even know what, what covers to do, you know? <laughs> well, I said we better get to work. <laughs> so we, man, we just hit it hard and we made it through that year with COVID coming in 2020. That basically yeah. doors on a lot of stuff. We lost about 50 shows right away from that. Um, and that spiraled us into going, okay, I think we can do this as a full-time job, but we got to go where there's work. And it was 2020. So we looked at, and everywhere we could find and two places that seemed even remotely open were uh north dakota this was december or florida so you can only imagine 2020 yes so you can only imagine what direction we headed living in a camper so off to florida we went (laughs) and (laughs) we got as far funny enough as we had a new year's eve party in scottsdale arizona that a friend from Oregon had arranged for us to play on our way through, on our way to Florida. And they, that the host of that party on New Year's Eve said, hey, y'all should go spend a day or two in Sedona as long as you're this far. If you haven't been there, it's a magical place. Go check it out and then head off to Florida. Mm -hmm. We went to see Sedona for two or three days and approximately 16 months later, we continued (laughs) the journey down the road. (laughs) So... Arizona turned out to be really good for us. They, they were more open than we suspected. And in turn, we ended up booking a ton, I think 100 plus more shows yeah, that year. Yeah, Played nearly 30 different towns and cities throughout the state, all the way from Bisbee to Lake Havasu to Flagstaff to Tucson to Phoenix and Scottsdale and everywhere in between. Really wonderful year, really helped us hone our show. We continued to write a lot of songs during that time. Desiree was writing um, her journals, which eventually she turned into a full 343-page novel that's out now and being sold at all of our shows. She's got at least material for two or three more books written currently. And I've got about four more albums ready to record whenever I can afford to get the job done. (laughs) Desiree, how did you come into this? Because somewhere in there, I heard you guys got married and then... You know, so how yeah. did you how did you meet? How did you get into the music side of this? Or so just I'm, because you married him, you were automatically in the music side of this, right? And now, yeah, yeah, sort of. Funny enough, I was in Nashville, separate from him. Obviously, my sister and I had moved down from Charleston, Illinois, down to Nashville. Instead of going north, like a lot of our friends had done to Chicago, we decided we loved music enough. We're heading south. So we went down there and I was working as a nurse at the time, actually. And we met, uh, although I would consider myself spiritual now at the time we met in a church, we were the greeters where you open the door and welcome morning. (laughs) Um, And so both of us are on the greeting team. And that's where we met one day and basically talked for two and a half, three hours that day. And that was kind of it for both of us as far as feeling like we were the ones. The funniest part of it all for me still all these years later is that at the time I swore I did not want to marry a musician. That was not. (laughs) Uh, I had heard a lot of horror stories of musicians on tour, their wives left at home, you know, I'll leave the rest to imagination. And I thought that's not for me. So time you had been mentored and done a lot of cool things, but he had kind of, he still played guitar at home, but he wasn't playing on a stage when I met him and he didn't seem as though that was the trajectory he was heading for necessarily at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and so we ended up married. And then from there, of course, the music kicked off just as he said. And within the last few years, basically I got my book out and right before that, it would have been early 2021. He got an old binder out just as we were speaking of back in the day, you know, when you wrote things down on paper right, and right typewriter and he has a thick binder of songs he wrote when he was a kid just a little little kid 10 11 12 years old and there was a duet in there on typewriter paper in one of those plastic sheets in the binder that he wrote when he was 11 years old called baby did you know and it was a duet a male female duet and he looked at me and said 
you can sing this. We can do this. <laughs> and I was like, I'll give it a try. Why not? Because uh-huh. I loved music my whole life. Loved, like appreciated, loved it. Um, played a little in like band kind of idea in sixth grade. Right, right. With it, wish I would have honestly, but didn't. And we just gave it a try. And now here we are doing two, three, and four hour shows together. That's a something. Later. <laughs> She's a quick learn. She's a quick yeah. <laughs> So the first song of yours we're going to listen to here is called If You're Looking. And, and when I first started this podcast, you were one of the earlier respondees that would get music to me. And this is one of the songs that I would play while I was working on my studio at my home in Missouri. And when it would come on, it'd be one of those I'd stop and listen to it because it just sounds so uh, genuine. You know, it's it's it, there's sometimes people will sit and try and write a song and then you can tell that they tried to write that. You know what I mean? Or they're just they wanted to get something out so badly that they put this out and said, here, I wrote this song. But this is accomplished. You know, this has a story to it and it's got a good story and it's uplifting and it's not hitting you in the face with it. It's got just all the good subtleties of a good song that take good songs and make them really good songs or great songs. So tell me where that came about, when that came about and how that made it on your album. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, This is one of my favorite stories behind a song. And as you know, uh, as a musician, every song absolutely has a story, even if it's, I don't know what happened. It just appeared, you know, sometimes Uh that's, but this one particularly has a wonderful story. Um, it was nearing nearing the middle, I want to say July or August of 2019. And we had been on the road since um, January 1st, traveling the country, just all over. And one of the only, we only had maybe two or three goals that whole year. And one of them was to get to Glacier National Park in Northern Montana. Uh-huh. And we eventually arrived at Glacier after six or seven months of seeing the rest of the country. And so ignorantly, we pulled right in and we walked up to the office and said, hey, we made it. We'd like to get a campsite. And they said, yeah, you and everybody else get on a list and wait two years. You know, the park <laughs> is packed. We're not you can't camp here. You got to reserve <laughs> days ago, months ago, you know. So we were a little discouraged and we started looking for free camping. And uh, we discovered a little spot along the Flathead River right off right near this bridge. And we rolled we rolled up to this little road and it looked pretty um ominous i would say for a, a class c motorhome definitely not a road you should take a motorhome down so <laughs> we dropped it down in gear and hit the gas and did it anyway and when we rolled out on this big river bank we noticed there was uh maybe 15 or 20 other camper vans and pickup trucks and a bunch of other people that kind of had the same memo we did okay you didn't get your reservations you got to go find a free plate <laughs> right, so we right. find all these strangers immediately kick the doors open, get a big fire going. And I run around and I'm like, Desi, start cooking hobo packs on the fire. I'm going to go rally up some new friends. So we run around and I knock on everybody's tents and, hey, we're going to do music and food, bring a drink, bring a chair, come hang out if you're feeling it. And before you know it, we had, I think it was 15 strangers all gathered around our fire from all different parts of the country. Wow, how cool is that? One girl who's still one of our best friends we met her that day, she was from uh, Mount Vernon, Illinois. <laughs> really? <laughs> Illinois plates and I'm like oh my wife is going to be friends with her yes for sure <laughs> and um but we ended up meeting a ton of people that night turned into a full week everybody just canceled their plans we no stayed kidding. up all night long till 4 a.m playing uno drinking moonshine doing river floats on cheap pool floaties nearly drowning Fun. making pancakes just it was just one of those family completely unexpected no way to ever reduplicate it one of those moments in life and yeah and I get up one morning, uh, pr- probably moonshine hungover, and I think I was the only one around. And I was, I just got my guitar and I went, I sat on the banks of the Flathead River. And I was kind of internalizing this whole year, this whole new life, leaving our security, leaving our community, leaving our jobs, leaving uh, everything, and just going out like vagabonds and, and playing music and traveling the country. And I started strumming and the words to, if you're looking, just poured out of me. I mean, I wrote that song in maybe 10 minutes. The whole song just. Wow. And, you know, as most songwriters, I I think most songwriters, I can't speak for everyone, but an issue I've run into my whole life with songwriting is I'll write a song. And the first thing I tell myself is, well, it's not done. It needs to be fixed. It needs to be added to. It needs to be corrected. It needs to be changed. It needs to be tweaked. It needs to be honed. It needs to be tightened. All the 
I see you tell yourself. <laughs> and I said, well, I better go run it by Desi. You know, she's usually a good sounding board. And um, I played it for her and I, you know, went through my list of things that needed to change. And she actually told me, she said, I would challenge you not to change a damn thing about this song. Just leave it exactly. Oh, wow. yeah. And she goes, in fact, you need to play it for this, the River family tonight. And I was like, what? I can't play it. It's too uh-huh. soon. <laughs> <laughs> and so six hours later, I'm around the campfire playing in it for 15 strangers that became family. And uh, I knew when I went to cut a record that that had to be the beginning of the record. Um, that had to be the song that that kicked it off. Because for me, it is a a true story about finding freedom, letting go of everything else, everyone else's opinions or perceptions or ideas of what you should or shouldn't do. Yeah. And just go out there and live your life, man. Uh, live it while you got it kind of idea so that's where if you're looking was birthed and um, conceived and eventually landed on my first record campfire currency which is currently still my only record uh, but in the process of working on more material well let's give it a listen the song is called if you're looking our guest today seth brown duo desiree and seth and they're from charleston illinois music of america podcast continues after we hear the song if you're looking And you've thrown them all away And you've dropped the pretty masks And fancy faces that you've made And you've chosen to be something great Instead of fade away That's where you'll find me If you're looking That's where you'll find me Out in a place That is free Away from Chains are oh, you can see me if you're looking. When you stopped all of the madness, there's always run your life, and you've let others' opinions fade away into the night. It hits you that you really only got one life to live That's where you'll find me Oh, if you're looking, kid That's where you'll find me Out in a place that is free Away from all the weights and chains Ah, you can see me If you're looking Seth Brown duo music of America podcast. We're going to be with Desiree and Seth after I talk about a story here. You know, I was talking to this friend of mine about my brother's couple's workbook called two years after forever. It's sort of a how to guide to improve your communication skills, which as anyone in any relationship knows is crucial. 
So as we spoke later in the conversation, I mentioned the book again. You know, I said, yeah, two years after forever. That's the name of the book. I told you my brother wrote. She stops me and says, oh, 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 your brother's book. I thought you meant a book that you borrowed from your brother. Three little words, my brother's book. Two entirely different interpretations. Well, in two years after forever, there are exercises that help you form better communicative skills to avoid pratfalls like that one. Along with your partner, learning and applying these exercises help you get back to why, two years ago, you pledged a life together forever. Two years after forever. At two years or after at two years after forever.com and available at Amazon today and forever. I had to throw that in because it's my brother's book and Desiree is an author. So, uh. <laughs> so you write about your life and uh, Seth, you write about your life, but put it to music. You sure. put yours on print and you put yours in music. What a combination. Do you have stories that overlap? I think so. Probably so. I think mine are more the granular, what was happening, where we were, and then his are the, you know, if you're looking, came out of that lifestyle. And you'll right. hear me talk about what we ate for dinner that night, kind of idea, okay. talking about the the I life and the change. Maybe more the, the music maybe depicts more the, the internal journey. And right. Not that your book doesn't, because you definitely go deep in that too, but you do depict a lot more of the practical life and living on the road mm. and surviving and putting up with your crazy husband and all those things. <laughs> so you're the meat and potatoes, Des, right? And uh, you're the soul. I, yeah. I'm, the, I'm the little cherry, hopefully, on top that people will <laughs> <laughs> Who do you listen to now? When you listen to music, who do you listen to? Uh, my favorite artist probably of all time is Tom Petty. No um, kidding. He was a he was a songwriter, and I'm I'm of course drawn to songwriters. Um, one of the biggest heartbreaks I had in my life was discovering that a lot of the artists that I admired, looked up to, and listened to as a child never wrote their own music. And when I started to realize, after I, funny enough, when I moved to Nashville and 24 years old, and I started getting around all these songwriters, we'd go down on Music Row and would go into these writers' rooms. I'd sit there with four or five other people in a room. Now, given I've been writing songs since I was 10 years old, solo. Right. So this is the first exposure I've had to co-writing. So I'm sitting in these rooms and we're writing these songs. Like, oh, this is this one's going to be a hit for, you know, Miranda Lambert. This one's going to be a hit for Jason Aldean. This one's going to be a hit for Luke Bryan. I'm like, wait a minute. Those guys don't write their own music? <laughs> what is this? And it just blew my mind when I started to realize and so naturally I started to dig in and gravitate. So who is writing these songs? And when I discovered artists that I had always loved, but then I realized they wrote their own music, I just garnered such a higher respect for a Tom Petty, for example. Right. Um, and not to say that he wrote every single thing he ever recorded, but you know, he was a he was a dynamic songwriter. Um funny enough, growing up, I was really influenced like what was allowed in my home was folk music. So it was Kingston Trio and John Denver and a lot of these types. But then as I got a little older, high school, my older brothers introduced me to Stevie Ray Vaughan and Tom Petty and uh, the Eagles, you know, classic rock and roll. Right. Um, of course, classic country too. So I think my my writing pulled from folk, classic rock and classic country to kind of get me where I am today. But when you, whenever I'm, when we hit the road tomorrow, we hit the road for a four day tour all around Wisconsin. Uh, and probably the first thing we'll turn on is Highway, Highway Companion, Companion Highway album Companion by Tom album. Petty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll listen to the whole damn thing and keep rolling, baby. Funny, you had dug this this uh, past week. I'm in Vermont now, and there was some flooding here. And uh, to help the farmers, all the local musicians that, that that have regional prominence. You know, it's not just you know Tom Pollard. It's uh, you know the names that are names in Vermont got together and put together this benefit for the Hug Your Farmers uh, charity. And the concert was Hug Your Farmer, whatever. But the theme was Bob Dylan. All right. Nice. Uh, and, and it was so cool because some come out and would do a Dylan song the way Dylan did it. But a lot of them reimagined a Dylan song and would right. come out and do. There was, a well, for example, Rage Against the Machine yeah. did a version of Maggie's Farm. And wow. so there's a Rage Against Machine cover band or whatever yeah. here in vermont and they came out and did 
Rage Against the Machines version of Dylan's Maggie's Farm. And I, I'm not a metal guy. And I tell you what, that had everybody hopping and bouncing. It was such a great version of the song. So it made me think, like, because that's your background, because your appreciation for songwriters, have you ever thought of looking at other people's music and reinterpreting what they're saying? Like, that song speaks to me. I want to say it a different way, though, through music. And and the example I give a lot when I talk about this is Billie Jean by Michael Jackson. You know, big hit, big pop hit. But the way uh, John Paul White and the Civil Wars did that song just knocks it out of the park. It just makes it a whole different song. So have you reimagined other people's music like Tom Petty? Would you redo Breakdown? Yeah, so it's it's interesting this comes up. And I don't know how common this is in general, but uh, being a self-taught musician, I don't I don't know how to read music. I don't know how to read tabs even. I mean, I just, I've been playing guitar for 26 or seven years. And the way that I interpret music, if I hear a song that I love, I'll keep the basic melody, um, but I, re I reinterpret every cover song that we do. Um, and we we are at a point where we're doing maybe like a 70-30 split on our live shows. We'll do like 70% original, and then we'll add in, you know, those additional cover tunes. Yeah. And, um, I've consistently had people come up and say to me, Seth, you don't do cover music. You do these classic songs with such an original you know perspective and take on them that we, we love them so that to me is kind of how i have to i have to interpret it in my mind i'm never going to sing bob dylan or tom petty like bob dylan or tom petty right so try let those guys do what they did and let them master it and let them do it and then if i'm going to try to reimagine their music i'm going to let you hear it through the eyes and the ears of seth brown and it's going to be probably a totally different tempo a different key a different chord arrangement um an entirely lyrically it'll be the same it'll be an entirely different song almost always wow so I'm a, I'm a big fan of interpreting other people's music through my own lens because then you're going to get a feel for me no matter what it is if it's an original song or if it's a cover song you're still going to feel the heartbeat right i think it's brilliant and it's a healthy approach too and i get so many people that approach me and say well i'd love to be on your podcast tom but we only do cover songs I'm like my my pat answer is the Rolling Stones was a cover band when they first got started, you know, yeah. and eighty years later, look at them, you know, whatever. <laughs> Not eighty so years later, but rolling, yeah, <laughs> you know, they started as a cover band. I mean, there's no way around it. They were playing, uh, you know, Little Richard music back in in England and got discovered. Well, okay, keep. Tell me about keep. I love one one word titled songs. There's a there's a band that we have coming up in a few more months, I think, the Mint Green Elephants. And that's one of their things is all of their songs have to be short titles. Love it. And uh, so that, that that's kind of inspiring. I mean, it's, that, it's kind of neat to, to just like, this is where we start with our songwriting. Yeah. One yeah. word title and then build out from there. Well, I, I've met you now. I know you don't do that. But why <laughs> keep? Why keep? And uh, what's it about? And tell us the genesis of that yeah um so desiree actually i played this song for desiree and she actually said she suggested the name she goes because i oftentimes will come to her and say hey what the heck should i call this song you know yeah. uh, being a writer herself and knowing our life and the stories behind the songs she always has a great great uh insight into what we we might name so she actually names a hand a lot of my songs i would say but this song particularly uh, was a very personal song. It was a song that, that first year on the road, um, part of our leading up to van life and going out and adventuring. Um, we had been married for, I think, seven years up to that point. Or maybe no, it was we, like five years. When we left, we'd been married three. We three years, our fourth okay. Anniversary our fourth. first year out. Um, but we had been, I, I know this, we'd been married long enough to have had some real marital issues. We had, you know, just growing up trying to process marriage you know never having been married you're, you're trying to work through all kinds of things as an individual and as a couple and then we got on the road and we moved into you know about a 12 by you know like an eight by five foot space we lived in a tiny van together 24 yeah. so kind of everything that was building healthy and unhealthy in our marriage kind of came to a head in that van and out of that kind of just intense 
relational time, I wrote this song that kind of, again, just showed up one morning and appeared to me really, really fast. And I wrote the whole song. And it to me, when I play this song live, I usually tag it with, this is a song that was written for a woman. This is a song written about a man. How do I say it live? <laughs> now, now I'm stalling. Uh, this is a song written about a man who's given a woman plenty of reasons not to believe in him or something like that. It's basically, uh-huh. it's kind of this idea of, um, I've given you every reason to give up, but you're still here. You're still holding on. You're still willing to keep me in spite of myself. And well, believe in And believe in me. So to me, Keep is really a song I wrote from Desi's perspective toward me because of what I had viewed and seen her do and treat me. So uh-huh. it was my interpretation of her grace towards me being sung out. It's kind of hard to explain. I haven't. Really no, it's, that's, that's incredible, man. It's, and it's, it's tough to do that. It's tough to write from way down in here and mm-hmm. give that out to the world and say, here, here's my life. You know, yeah. here, here's my very tender heart. Now please run all over it with golf shoes, please. Okay. <laughs> Every reason to rip this apart. Go ahead, world. (laughs) It's a great song, though, and I'm going to play it now. The song is called Keep with the Seth Brown Duo. I've been watching you grow And it's the small things Yeah, the mean the most I've seen you show yourself mercy Like a natural Even when it's not This has been a journey And you're not out of the woods yet Hold on to hope There's a brighter day coming And it's getting close So keep your eyes open And keep your ears listening Keep your mind wandering And set your soul free And keep on believing And keep on receiving Let your light shine And let your heart lead I've been watching you grow And it's the small things Yeah, the mean the most I've seen you show yourself mercy Like a natural Even when it's not This has been a journey Yes, it has And you're not out of the woods yet Behold a brighter day coming and it's getting close so keep your eyes open and keep your ears listening keep your mind wandering and set your soul free and keep on believing and keep on receiving let your light shine and let your heart lead Let your light shine and let your heart let your heart leave. 
That's the Seth Brown duo and a song called Keep on the Music of America podcast. I'm your host, Tom Pollard. We'll be back with Desiree and Seth after I talk to you about River Ridge Farm, Vermont's recreation lover's dream. It's a gorgeous vacation rental nestled in the green mountains of Vermont. River Ridge Farm is an escape to everything wonderful Vermont has to offer. This historic farmhouse is set atop 16 acres of fields with mountainous views, pasture, a pond, a tree-lined river frontage. Go on out and enjoy this beautiful spot right in the heart of the Green Mountain State. Along with multiple nearby ski and mountain resorts, breweries, biking and hiking trails, and other tourism activities, this spot is unique due to its multiple views of the mountains and resident farm animals. Set up with the owner and host, Diana, about petting and interacting with her pigs. It's something you have to do if you go to River Ridge Farms. Maybe you just want to stay at the farm in this comfortable modern farmhouse. It'll sleep 11 guests easily. There's enough space to throw events there, weddings, whatever, or just relax and rejuvenate in the beautiful Vermont landscape. This is the time of year when everybody and their brother is invading our state of Vermont because they want to watch the foliage. They want to watch the silver maples change to their brilliant and dashing colors. Now's the time to do it. So check them out now. River Ridge Farm, they're on Facebook. And how you find them, because there's so many River Ridge Farms in America, you have to go by looking at River Ridge Farms Jeffersonville or just do River Ridge Farms through Airbnb. River Ridge Farm, Vermont's recreation lover's dream. There's a line in Pulp Fiction where uh, John Travolta is talking to Sam Jackson when he just got back from Holland or whatever. And he says, yeah, baby, you dig it the most. <laughs> and with the lifestyle you guys have lived, you would love this place. It is fabulous. Like I'm writing this down. As yeah. you're saying. My, my, my daughter and son-in-law who also, as we talked off camera, did the van life. They were here about a month or so ago. And my grandson just loved petting the pigs. She's got these, you know, full grown hogs. And, uh, but the land, she sits on acres and acres and, you, and you're looking over here and you're looking at one range of the green mountains. You look over here, you see an entirely different range. We're fairly close to Stowe. There's a lot of skiing up there. Uh, it's just beautiful. Uh, that's why I'm still here, I guess. <laughs> uh, and if you guys ever decide to do a tour up in Vermont, you let me know. We'll, we'll get you a show or two up here. Cause there's some, some of the best music in the country I've heard here. I, I, we were talking earlier. I can't listen to music anymore. I can't listen to the radio anymore. There's too much good music here and too much good music here on the podcast. You know, like, like, uh, oh, uh, I'm just trying to think who, like the Seth Brown duo, for example, you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we'll take it, brother. Well, the last, the that. last song, last song we're going to listen to here is called Okay This Way. So, what's okay? What way? Yeah, exactly. Um, so this song, this song was actually uh, the end of our, that was in the middle, I think, middle or end of our first year and, and uh, on the road. And Desi had taken a little girl's trip. She had gone off to meet some of her, uh, her childhood girlfriends from, from Illinois for the weekend. And I was left at home in our little camper trailer with my guitars. And I was pondering um, specifically friendships that, uh, didn't work out, uh, friendships that I had really considered to be closest friendships of a lifetime that I thought would be there for a lifetime. Yeah. And as I started to analyze, you know, we've been out on the road, been away from everybody. And I just sort of realized that not everything lasts forever and that's just part of life. And ultimately you got to learn to be okay this way because the, not everything you think is going to last forever does. And when I kind of came to that realization, that revelation, um, again, this song just sort of just gushed out of me in, in no time at all. And really, it's the recognition that, you know, hey, for whatever the reasons this didn't work out, no hard feelings, life moves on, I'm learning to be okay this way. And so for me, that's just kind of a, it was a song for kind of finding some closure in past relationships that I needed to either close the door on or that the doors had closed on naturally. And um, this song has proven to be one of my favorite songs, I think, again, because it's deeply personal mm -hmm. and I think relates to just about everybody because everybody's had a friend that they're not friends with now, right. you know, it's in their life. So as you listen to the words of this song, to me, it's, it's a pretty, 
overarching general um, message that, hey, you're going to make it through this. Okay, this way. Yeah. I, I can't begin to tell you how healthy that sounds psychologically. <laughs> That's what I'm shooting for, man. <laughs> yeah, you got it, man. That's good. Let's, let's give it a listen. Sounds great. The song is called Okay This Way with the Seth Brown Duo.
There's a rhyme. Okay, Desiree. Okay, Desiree. This way. Okay, this. Way. Work on that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Seth Brown Duo have been our guest today on the Music of America podcast, and and guys, it's been so much fun. I I wish the outtakes. I I should save those and just make those another show because we have yeah. really good conversations on yes. the on the outside of these two. Uh, this is the portion of the show we call shameless self promotion, and and Seth, like we were just saying, your entrepreneurs. This is what you're trying to do for a living. So don't hesitate, either of you, Desiree, tell us how we can help you. Tell us in this shameless self-promotion, what's coming up from October on, new albums, new CDs, concerts, where can we see you? How can we support you? What can we buy from you and where? Yeah. Well, the best place to find all of that information is sethbrownduo.com. You can get to everything from there. We're going to be playing all over actually pieces and parts of Michigan and Wisconsin in October. So if you're in those areas of the world, come and see us at a live show. That's always our most favorite way to be supported. And through our website, you can find all of our merch. We actually partner with an awesome merchandise company. We're friends with them. They're wonderful folks. We've got t-shirts, hats, obviously Seth's CD, my debut novel. You can order those. We'll ship them all straight to your house if you want to support that way. Um, and if you want to just be generous and tip us crazy musicians out here trying for it too, those links <laughs> are on there as well. Um, and that's, yeah, that's, that's social media. Yeah. Uh, you can find us on social media. We both have personal social medias, but we also have the Seth Brown duo, Instagram and Facebook. And through those, you can access TikTok, Desi, Desi's diaries, which is her, her writing page and Seth Brown entertainment, which is kind of my personal Instagram page uh -huh. through Seth Brown duo, Desi's diaries and Seth Brown entertainment. All of those on social media will link us, link you right back to us. I often will post new original songs. I've written three new songs this week. I'll probably be posting one or, or more of those on our Facebook and Instagram and TikTok all this week as well. So we're always posting new material, new songs, new stories. Desi's writing. She's always posting new writings. Um, and I, I write once a month. I still keep up the writing on an email newsletter as well. If you so like well. email, please sign up for she, that she too. She does an excellent newsletter once a month uh, with pictures, updates, it's created really well. It's really engaging. It's super fun. Um, definitely sign up for the newsletter yeah. through our website as well. You won't and regret it. Eyes and ears open for next year. We're looking at potentially another book, another EP, and some garage session videos as oh, well. Oh, fun. That sounds exciting. A lot of fun things stirring coming up. And in the meantime, you can follow along and, and understand all that's coming. That's Any tour dates set for 24 yet or... 
We're just looking well, at, at October right now from Milwaukee. Yeah, we have well, quite a I said Milwaukee because I was going to ask you about Milwaukee, but Wisconsin and uh, Michigan. Yeah, Wisconsin, yeah. Michigan. Um, we're booked through the end of the year all over this Midwest region. Next year, we've got an Illinois tour. So for our Illinois people, we'll be back in August of 2024. We're going to be out in Oregon in September of 2024. And wow. then return to our beloved Midwest in between all of those times so and all of those dates are on our website and will be coming and will be released through the email newsletter as well so vermont vermont we would love to come to vermont (laughs) yes that's definitely on our list to do a whole northeast tour as well that would be so cool i I will introduce you to people that will help you get into some doors if you guys are serious about coming up this way for sure that'd be awesome guys it's been blast Uh, it's been one of those talks that we could we can do a three-hour show and still not run out of things to talk about i appreciate you both desiree and seth the seth brown duo up next the oldest jazz and blues record label in the country is celebrating their 70th anniversary here ceo julia miller talk with us about delmark records tomorrow on the music of america podcast you've been listening to the music of america podcast if you like today's show please go to the website at www.musicofamericapod.com or our Music of America podcast Facebook page. Like us and follow the show and episodes. We tally the votes of all our shows, and the most listened to shows will be rebroadcast on our best of shows at the end of the season. I look forward to having you with us again and listening to the Music of America.